The Christian season of Advent is one that embodies hopefulness, but how we talk about hope varies from place to place. To some, hope seems like simplistic thinking, a pointless endeavor for the unrealistic. But to most, hope for a better tomorrow offers direction and purpose, provoking new action aimed at healing the world around us. This is Logosish. Today, we talk to Reverend Dr. Grace G. Sun Kim about her new book, Hope in Disarray. Hey guys, this is an unusual episode. Due to scheduling challenges, we recorded things out of order from our typical flow. So it's a fast-moving episode from the very beginning. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome back to Logos-ish. This is John. I'm joined by Garrett and Sarah, and we are going to jump right in to our conversation to get today. Our guest is Reverend Dr. Grace Jisun Kim, professor of Earlham School of Religion, and we are talking today about... Sorry, what? <laughs> professor of Theology at Earlham School of Religion, sorry. It's my fault I left it out. Yeah, I just read right off the thing. It was just like, <laughs> You can start again if you want. <laughs> no, no, we're committed at this point. Okay. <laughs> Today, though, we're talking about your book, right? Hope in Disarray. So um, would you like, Dr. Kim, to introduce yourself real quick? Let us know who you are, how you got to where you're at. So um, as you mentioned, this is my latest book, Hope in Disarray. It just came out. I just received it. And that's my 19th book, which is, I never thought I'll write this many books. I said, before I retire, uh, I'll be happy if I write five. Um, but this is so exciting that this book came out. And so, as you mentioned, I teach theology at Earlham School of Religion, and I'm ordained um, in the PCUSA. So excited to be ordained and um, married to a math professor. It's a very different field from what I do and three kids, I guess. I can't call them kids anymore. They're older. So one just graduated from college, one in college, and one senior in high school. Oh, so that's my full and busy life. <laughs> very much so. Very yeah. Much and so. thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be on your podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah, we are so happy to have you today. Uh, we're really excited to be talking about Hope and Disarray in particular. It's been a really fun read for us. We've had a really good time with it. I have so many questions. Uh, we have so many questions that we sent you before uh, hopping on this recording. And I have a couple of ones. You know, we want to ask a little bit about the structure of the book, the major themes of the book and stuff like that. I want to start off, though, by asking the question that is on everyone's mind after they've read your table of contents. And that is, what can Taylor Swift's breakups teach us? <laughs> I love that question. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about, so I've got two boys and a daughter. And actually, nobody really in my family likes Taylor Swift. And I have to say, my husband really detests her. Every time her song's on the radio, he turns it off. But I actually admire her. She's a young woman who is filthy rich, uh, writes her songs, and it has made such an impact. So I just, you know, when I write, I think of things that have actually made an impact in our world. And Taylor Swift, for some reason, people love her music. People 
thrive or go to wherever, whatever she's doing, people will buy it. And so she's high influential. And when I think about just, you know, I don't listen to her all the time. I don't really know her music inside out, but I know she's gone through a lot of breakups. So this is what I do in my spare time when I should be writing. I go and look at celebrity news, (laughs) which is a horrible thing, but it just gets my mind off the really serious things in her life. And I know she goes through a lot of boyfriends and she breaks up a lot. And after her breakup, she writes a song. And I thought, this is quite interesting that she is able to um, have fun with her boyfriend, then go through a breakup and then she writes a song and she makes a ton of money from her song. So not all of her songs are from her breakups, but there's plenty enough. So that got me thinking about how she's able to break up with her boyfriend. And then she broke up with, I think, the streaming streaming um, site. I can't remember the name on top of my head right now. But she does a lot of breakup. And every time she does, she profits off this. And it just got me thinking about how even in our life, um, breakup of marriage, breakup with, you know, I've got young kids, young adults kind of in my household they're breaking up with people and so forth and we think all the time we think breakups are really bad but my piece in the book uh, with Taylor Swift is sometimes if we're in a really bad relationship particularly abusive relationships then sometimes we do need to break up and get rid of it whether it be a spousal relationship or friendship or even some other Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, relationships, sometimes, and that's how I think about Taylor Swift, she's able to break up and then still go on, uh, profit from it, but we won't be profiting, but then she goes on with her life. And I think with us too, especially if we're in a very abusive relationship, it is time to kind of stop there, think about it, and what, where are we going to go? How are we going to overcome this? And so, you know, a lot of my pieces in the book, people can relate. People, you know, all around the world know who Taylor Swift is. So if they're going to, they can look at this and go, wow, a theologian writing about Taylor Swift. I'm hoping that there will be some impact and people will be interested uh, because certainly my kids are interested. If I write about something from our culture, but particularly pop culture, they are interested, even though they're not going to listen to her music. They are interested in, you know, on an aside, last year, I I got to meet uh, Chance, Chance the Rapper. Oh, wow. And my kids were thrilled. I wasn't that thrilled because I really don't know his music, but I know who he is. So I was kind of excited just meeting him, but my kids were thrilled and they said oh mom you're so hip but you got to meet i am so So jealous along with them yeah (laughs) i i'm just thrilled that i got to meet him so anyway i just think if people can relate to a a certain person or a topic then then i'm able to write and i'm hoping that people will be um touched and moved and uh you know that taylor swift reflection at the end of a relationship, if we're going to break off the relationship, if we are the abused one, that that won't be the end of it, that there is hope. So the whole book is on hope. And I'm just hoping that people who read it, you know, these are small little nuggets of, I'm hoping some form of wisdom 
that they, you know, even though they may feel it's the end of something, it may be the end of their life or whatever, that they can still find hope. If Taylor Swift can move on, we can also move on and, and possibly grow from our relationship and find hope in God. So, you know, some people, when they think about hope, particularly non-Christians, they may think that it's a, it's something about just being optimistic, you know, oh, I can be optimistic today, but it's not really about being optimistic. It is really finding hope in God that there is something more that can happen because God is present in our lives, present in our world, present all around us. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it's almost basically right on the first page of the book where you talk about hope as an anchor. And that seems to be sort of your central image is, is having that hope for the future and that anchor in God to help us sort of direct ourselves in the messiness of life. Like that yeah. just is a beautiful picture to think about it that way. Um, Thank you. Yeah, rather than maybe thinking about it as just sort of a, a naivete or, or something along mm-hmm. those lines where, you know, yeah. it's, it's just um, a sort of facile kind of, you know, hoping just to hope or being optimistic just to be optimistic. It's intended to be a, a directive sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think as Christians and as people who are faith and, and people who are seeking um, you know, spirituality, that hope is not something, you know, just out there, but it really anchors our life. No one's life is a rose garden. You know, there's thorns in our life, there's hardships. And I think 2020, probably one of the hardest years for many people around the world, not for all, because I know some people are coasting by, but for so many people, it's been hard losing family and friends and getting sick, losing jobs. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, part of our life. You know, God never said life will be easy, but life is tough. And as we are going through the difficulty and the hardship, it is hope that keeps us going. Hope is something that anchors us, some, something that we hold on to. You know, Jesus talked about hope. There is hope throughout scripture. And I'm sure when you preach on Sunday, I know many of your listeners are clergy. Uh, some are probably seminary students. Um, some are just maybe seeking that, you know, when there is difficulty and problems that we face, still we anchor and hope because that's what God gives us. It's it's a gift from God that we kind of hold on to. And whenever I, and in the book too, when I talk about hope, it's not just, okay, I'm hopeful today and that's it. It is really, it leads to some form of action too. It makes us kind of walk forward, take another step, uh, leap of faith to God, that God will kind of move us in the right direction, give us some kind of sense of hope and peace and love. So, you know, hope is, it, it's something that we all need. And I'm hoping that Christians will seek it and that it will really change our life. So that's kind of what my desire is with the book. And that's what I had in mind as I kept writing the book. And now that it's going to be out soon and you got it in Kindle, I'm very excited that people are reading the book. That's really uh, interesting. And especially thinking about how pop culture 
influences us so much. I know for uh, the benefit of just having that breakup music or sort of brooding music in general is important for for people on, on a slight psychological level in the fact that it provides us emotional validation. You know, having that emotional validation, I think, um, allows God to work a little bit because our our defenses are a little bit down or or like we're we're honest with ourselves and i feel like especially in this time uh we have to be honest with ourselves like you know like like you said covid is really bad or 2020 has just been really brought with a lot of stress so what does hope look like um this past week i talked about in my sermon and i use an example from when i was growing up when christmases weren't great um and we we always didn't have a lot of money so when they were particularly bad my sister and i uh would say this is the best worst christmas ever um and then we would and then we would just crack up for like about 10 minutes and we would just enjoy what we had um because we knew that you know really this holiday is not about the presents or the gifts or, or, or the happenstance or the traditions, but about being connected and close to one another. And that's what God does. So God being close and present. Um, and that, it, you know, in that weird sort of way, uh, my sister and I um, just remind ourselves of like the closest closeness and the importance of relationship and being realistic too. So like that was for me hopeful. So it just kept, you know, making us go forward and not focus on all of the terrible stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I think you touched on a good point. I think we living in the U.S., we're so materialistic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Christmas was never about exchanging gifts, but suddenly it becomes very commercialized. Mm -hmm. You know, Santa Claus becomes a center and kind of we lose our focus of the reason for Christmas and why we as Christians are even celebrating Christmas. So I think you kind of nailed it on the right thing. And be, and society keeps teaching us, you know, if you buy this, you'll be happier. You know, if you just get this in your wardrobe, you'll be so happy and just buy this extra thing and you'll be happy. So we just want more and more things. And we realize that those never, you know, it's, the, the happiest people are not the richest people in the world. Some of the richest people are the most miserable people and you just don't even want to be near these people. So I think, you know, as we live and there's just so much hopelessness in the world, people are losing jobs, people are losing homes now, people are just losing family members. Life is very difficult and it's not the material things that we need. It is we need God in our lives. We need um, spirituality in our lives. And God is the one that gives us hope. So even, you know, in our lowest points in our life, we still kind of cling on to God and it is God who gives us this hope. And when you were talking about your Christmases, I grew up very poor too. We didn't have any Christmas gifts uh, when I was growing up. So I was always jealous. But I think, you know, it just kind of then centers us. And I hope people who are listening, uh, either during Christmas or other times of the year, that it's not the material things that we seek in life. It is the spiritual and it is the hope that God gives us that Mm -hmm. takes us through every day, even in our dread and even in our 
uh, moments of despair and hopelessness. Yeah, you talk a little bit about Advent and Christmas in the book. And so this feels like a nice way to, to sort of segue into it. Hope and disarray feels like a slogan for Advent. <laughs> yeah. Generally. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what does Advent what does Advent mean to you? Waiting and for the coming of God. So we are all in the season of Advent. We are waiting for the coming of God, which gives us hope. You know, when we think about Christ coming, you know, for Christmas, Christ came into the world to give life, to give light to give love and peace and hope. So every year, kind of as we experience Advent, as we enter Advent, as we are waiting for time of Christmas, we are waiting in anticipation, we are waiting in hope. And, you know, we know Christ is with us, but it's this whole kind of Christian um, calendar kind of ritual of waiting in anticipation and hope. And I think you know, I keep talking about despair. This year has been awful for just me personally. I was in the middle of writing another book and my computer died. So I thought maybe I have all this material saved up somewhere and I didn't. Oh. So four months were all gone of several books that I was working on in the in the laptop. Then all summer I had to work on his old laptop because all these computer tech companies were trying to retrieve it. And after five different companies, they couldn't retrieve it. So I lost everything. Then I lost a family member. Then I, you know, my health, I've been very ill for over a couple months now. So this year has been awful. But what sustained me was, you know, still God is present in our lives. And I know I'm not the one that suffered the most. I know of other, so much suffering this year. You know, God sustains us. And in our times of despair, we cry out to God and lament. So we cry out and we know God is listening. And as God listens, God holds us in our hope and God's hope. God gives us God's hope so that we can still live through that day, one day at a time, and that we can overcome anything, any hardship that comes to us. So I know, you know, some of your listeners are probably maybe had the worst year of their life. But uh, my wish and desire is that they can lament, cry out to God and seek God. You know, my other book that came out, um, my last book, Imagining Spirit, that the presence of God as spirit is present everywhere. So I know churches, I don't know how your church is right now during COVID, uh, not probably worshiping face to face, maybe it's through Zoom or some other means, but still, where however people are worshiping, that still the Spirit of God is present, and the Spirit comes to us and gives us this hope, and that should pull us through whatever hard things that we went through this year or in the past, or that we will be experiencing or continue to experience. I know we're getting close to time, but I wanted to ask, um, is hope at risk? And if so, what is what is putting hope at risk, our hope? Oh, wow. That's a very interesting question. I think there are so many battles that we kind of face today. And people, you know, the battles that we face, the hardships that we face, some groups may want to say there is no hope. You know, this is it. Just give up. 
you know, when you read in the news um, in Japan in the month of October, more people committed suicide. The suicide was higher than the number of deaths due to COVID all year for Japan. So the suicide rate of one month was higher than the death uh, of the Japanese who died from COVID all year long. So people are committing suicide in enormous rates, not only in Japan, in Korea, where I was born, and all throughout the world. I think somehow there is this message of hopelessness that want to push us down and say there's nothing left. So just give up or commit suicide or do something bad. I think those who, you know, go out and shoot people too, I think that's out of, you know, there's nothing left. I got nothing to lose. I'm going to just kill random people or family members. It's happening. There is, there's death around us. So I think there's these wrong messages that there's no hope. So let's just give up. So I think in the season of Advent and in time of Christmas and just, you know, throughout the whole year, I hope people will know that there is a lot of hope out there and that, you know, if they can't find it in their church or through their pastor, maybe they can find it through a book, through a podcast, through some other writing or through a friend. And I think we as spiritual leaders too, you you guys are all pastors. Um, That's part of our task too, whether it be our preaching or in our counseling, that we can be some beacon of hope. And that hope, you know, the hope always leads to some action. So I'm hoping that, you know, whatever action that we do as ministers, as leaders in the church, or, uh, you know, whatever we may be doing as students, or those of us just in the congregation sitting in the pews that we can share that hope hope doesn't just you know it's not like i hold on to it and it's just mine it's we're not it's not a commercial item it's a gift from god and so you know we as christians and as people of faith are are called to share this hope with one another and so i'm hoping that even through my book or through sermons, people can experience this hope and and that it will ignite a, a light in their heart and then they can share it because people are living almost in de- very in desperate times. You know, there's nothing left and they're just giving up. So we don't want people to give up. We want to share that hope with with one another, you know, people, because they give up, they turn to drugs or they turn to alcohol, they turn to things that they don't need to, you know, these addictions that people turn to, I think shopping is another addiction. And, you know, during this time of COVID people, it's so easy to just shop online. It's this addiction that people have, but people can just maybe turn to God first lament and cry out to God and, you know, God is who gives us this hope. So I hope this is going to be helpful for your listeners. 
Yeah, it's really, it's been a wonderful conversation. And I can definitely say that I think we've all give, given Jeff Bezos way too much money. Uh, <laughs> oh, I agree. I'm trying to tell everybody, whatever, don't buy from Amazon. There's other places that you can buy things. Fingers like, crossed. You know, go ahead. No, he needs to share his wealth. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, fingers crossed, it gets us to Mars faster or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we got to, he has to share his wealth and he's not, I know his wife is sharing his, her wealth and I'm so happy that she is and, you know, but yeah, he, he's rich and yeah, so we got to <laughs> stop pumping money to him. <laughs> but, so I have one final question. Uh, uh -huh. The book uh, going through it, it, it is such a personal book. You have so many personal stories about family, about interactions with things relating to social justice and ecology and the environment. And one of the core ideas that you present at the very beginning is um, that hope is not just an anchor, but it's also a risk. So can you talk a little bit more about why you're saying that hope is a risk as well as an anchor? Yeah, so it anchors our life and you know, hope always leads to some form of action. I believe so and sometimes actions are risky I think you know we as Christians I think one of the biggest issues of our time today is climate change so I do um, several pieces on climate change near the end so just to say a little bit more about the structure um, you know the first part is living in church and living in culture and then living in relationship so you know, it's weird that in America like half the people are thinking that climate change is not real you know, which is so surprising to me. So for the rest of us who want to do something about climate justice and saving the environment and doing our part, it sounds a little risky because people shun us, people think we're crazy, you know, we don't need to do that. It's just part of, you know, life cycle, you know, climate change is not human made. It is, and, and scientists have been telling us for years, and that's one of the things that actually scientists even agree on. Scientists don't agree on, uh, agree on a lot of things, but that's one of the things that they actually agree on. So if they agree on that, the rest of us who don't know much about science should heed what they're saying and do take some action. So in that way, it's a little risky. Another more riskier thing is, is you know, this year we saw George Floyd being murdered you know we saw it over and over again on that video you know so many of us not just here in the u.s but around the world and that you know hope gives us life and that life means we risk part of our life for the sake of others so it means speaking up you know black lives do matter it means um taking a step forward how can we make this world a more racial justice world so that it's not just you know all white privilege and and it's just for the white people but it's for all people so it 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 requires some risk on our part and as leaders maybe our church people don't want to be engaged they think it's just some social engagement so hey we don't need to deal with it but all these things that i mentioned there are part of our spiritual life there are what makes us Christians, you know, God doesn't just say sit in your little bubble and enjoy life and then and then die there. It is really going out there and doing something. When we look at the life of Jesus, because 
I love to talk about the spirit of God, but then everybody's like, oh, you're moving away from the life of Jesus. So let me talk about the life of Jesus. <laughs> you know, when we think about Jesus, he risked a lot too. He, you know, the outcast people of his time were the lepers. He went and healed the lepers, you know, and women were kind of pushed aside and today still women are, you know, pushed aside. Um, you know, we are living in a still very patriarchal world. Jesus welcomed the woman, you know, welcomed the sinful woman who was able to anoint Jesus before he died. Uh, talk to the woman at the well. So he did all these risk-taking things. He fed the poor. You know, he, his disciples are like, get rid of them before it's too late. Right? But he's like, no, you go feed them. He did all these risk-taking things. And these are just a few examples that I shared. And I think we need to do that. And we could only do that because God gives us hope. So the climate justice that I talk about, the racial justice, the gender justice, all these things that we need to work on. I think we need more men to speak up, risk part of their life livelihood to speak up for women. You know, I because we need everybody to speak up for the gender justice. You know, women are being killed by abusive people. Women are being abused and women are not being paid equally. There's so much that needs to be done. So I think, you know, we kind of as Christians kind of sit there and go, what risk can I take? There's so many things that we need to take. I think we need to work on climate change, the climate justice issue, racial justice, gender justice, you know, the um, sexuality issue. There's so many issues. I know, you know, you guys are United Methodist ministers. That is like breaking up your church. Mm -hmm. So we need people to speak up and and speak up for those who have been oppressed or who are oppressed, who are marginalized. We need to do something. And a lot of the time, it, it, it's risky and people have lost jobs, have, have lost a lot of things speaking up. But I think the hope gives us this risk-taking acting behavior and action that, you know, God requires of us to make changes in this world, to make it a more just world, not just for human beings, for, but for the animals and the the birds and and the trees the ocean everything the the whole the world is crying out in pain and agony and the climate change is showing us that the world is so i think it takes a lot of risk and we individuals we as communities and we as churches need to take that risk um, and do what god requires of us well, thank you so much for your time today. We always ask our guests before we conclude, what's bringing you joy right now? You know, the having that connection to joy and celebration, I think fits really nicely in line with the theme of the book and the theme of hope. So uh, mm-hmm. what's bringing you joy right now? So I've been sick for so long. And as I mentioned earlier, this year has been so painful for me personally. I think like holding this book, you know, it took me a long time to write. It gives me joy. And I think, you know, this pandemic will end, you know, the vaccines coming out, people will be vaccinated and we can control it uh, hopefully by summer of 2021. So that gives me hope. So I look to the new year and I look to many more years to come with joy in my heart that, you know, God is still present and God is still working in us. 
and God is not going to give up on us. So we don't give up on ourselves. And I think we need need each other more than ever. And that gives me joy that we can work together and bring joy to others. So thank you for what you do in your different ministries. I think podcasts is so important, especially during a pandemic when we're kind of shut in. It's a way to connect with one another. So thank you for that. It was a joy to be on this podcast with you. <laughs> so hopefully we can meet each other again after this pandemic's yes, over. That would time. be wonderful. Yeah, I would thank love that. Thank you again for being here. If you want to find more from Reverend Dr. Grace Chisun Kim, um, her 19 19- books are all available online on uh, amazon yeah, or, <laughs> or other, other places you can, and you can ask your um, neighborhood bookstores to order too i think yeah we we got to stop buying from amazon though that's the quickest way but i think there's barnes and noble and target and other places and i think local bookstores we need to support local bookstores so you can ask your local bookstores to order and those who are in seminary in your bookstores too so you can get that. And I'm also on social media, on, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all under Grace G. Sun Kim. So you can find me there. And after the whole Joe Biden and that Wall Street, you know, that I don't know if you've read it with <sighs> Epstein writing about doctor. I feel like I'm just going to put doctor everywhere. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> just to, you know, because I don't like this sexism happening, you know, in this wider world either. But you can find me there all under Grace G. Sun Kim and my website. So you can... Everything is just Grace Susan Kim. So keep in touch with me. I would love to hear from your uh, podcast listeners, see what they think about the book, and maybe they can write a review for Amazon, sorry, Barnes and Noble, <laughs> or write a blog. There you go. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for having me. Thank you so much. Hey guys, this is John. We are back. We just finished with our conversation with Reverend Dr. Grace G. Sun Kim. We had a great time talking about Hope and her new book, Hope in Disarray, available at bookstores everywhere. Uh, And now in light of that and inspired by the conversation while we had off the video, we've decided also to start our New Girl Watch Through podcast. (laughs) I would so do that who is everybody's favorite new girl character and why is it winston oh well (laughs) it's not coach uh i mean i love everybody but winston is objectively the best character on that show i don't know i i have to fall into the nick trap because he seems so incredibly wise but so unintelligent at the same time it is wonderful to me just to see how that happens all in the same scene i mean it's it's crazy as long as we can agree that nick and jess's second relationship was the worst decision the writers of new girl made i don't think i mean i don't agree i don't know right i think we were all rooting for it like it was gonna happen john was really upset by it I, I think you guys are just in the midst of Stockholm Syndrome. Like, you, you've decided you have to accept this horrible circumstance that has been foisted upon you. I was rooting against that relationship the whole time, and, like, as it became more and more clear that they were coming back to it, I was just like, no, no, this can't be. I mean, the true relationship of the series is definitely Schmidt and TC. I mean, yeah, oh, like, it- that was just the... That was, like, for from, like... 
day one. It's like, this was the real one. So <laughs> I'm searching for a which new girl character are you quiz now? <laughs> well, we will all be taking that BuzzFeed quiz. Uh-huh. Also, BuzzFeed, if you'd like to sponsor us, <laughs> we are perfectly available at the moment. Actually, I, guess- I, I don't think we should ever include ads on this podcast. I think... You know, we could probably safely say that new girl is giving all of us life at this moment. So, you know, we didn't we didn't get to talk to that so much, but yeah, you know, I did. I think that that would be definitely. Well, it was a weird maker. day because of scheduling issues. We had to do some things out of order, and now we're back into sort of our regular segmented routine, seeing how everybody is, talking about what we're having fun with and what's bringing us joy right now. So, Garrett, what is bringing you joy right now? Well, other than this wonderful conversation about New Girl, our friends, I got to uh, lead their ceremony, uh, marry them uh, this past Friday. Uh, I was really excited leading up to that, and uh, it was just a really great time. COVID has been weird, and it was just me and uh, Laurel and um, the couple and another couple a uh, friend of ours. And it was just really cool just to kind of hang out because we hadn't seen each other face to face in like six months. And it was just really, it was just really cool just to be with one another. And they love the ceremony and the fact that they got, could actually call themselves husband and wife, sort of living like that uh, for however many, uh, well, over a year, but they were so happy. They were so pleased. So it was, awesome. it was really cool. Are you ready to share your news? Oh, um, apparently I'm Jess. I guess that probably isn't a surprise. I find pranks to be very frustrating and annoying, so I could not have been Winston. You wouldn't release a badger into an air duct system? Oh my gosh, that was so great. <laughs> one, of, one of the best things about watching New Girl through on Netflix for the first time is that we're also watching um, Star Trek Discovery. So the appearance of the character Rhonda... <laughs> <laughs> who is the lead on Star Trek Discovery. And I can't remember her name right now, but she's amazing. But uh, on Star Trek Discovery, she is like the, a serious, wonderful person. And every so often when we're watching it, I don't know, I'll try to interject a, you just got ronded. <laughs> Man. Is this relatable content? I don't know. It's <laughs> relatable to me. And... Who wouldn't want to listen to a conversation about New Girl and Star Trek Discovery? But um, I will say, in relation to New Girl, the finale is one of the best sitcom finales I have ever seen. Yeah, It was solid. It was true to the spirit of the show. It was a very strong, well-plotted, well-considered ending that didn't do too much to upset the balance of every everything that had come before. It, was, it had the formula, but it also had enough that was... Ec- unexpected outside of the formula to all work out for a very satisfying conclusion. I give the show 4.9 out of 5 stars. Oh, wow. The point one is the Jess and Nick relationship part two. I see. I see. I see. We've talked about The Good Place on this show. Do we need to have a full episode dedicated to theology of the new girl? Oh, man. Who is the Christ of that show? (laughs) I think at what point is each person good the point, Christ of that point, show? Like, you know, obviously Nick most of the time, but it's... 
Well, there are, you know, the show is all about friendship, right? Yeah. It's all about relationship. I think we could mine something out of that for this podcast. Yeah. Well, it'd be like, uh, so, or like, you know, if disciples are like, what would the disciples look like in, you know, modern day times? You know, I think New Girl would have a pretty good interpretation <laughs> of it. So, Sarah, what's bringing you joy right now? Uh, New Girl? <laughs> no. Um... In this very moment, <laughs> New Girl is what brings you joy. In this very moment, uh, Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> I think I've used that before, though. Oh, man, I'm so tired. Um, yeah. What's giving me joy? Um, I like those Christmas lights you see that look like icicles dripping. <laughs> There's some across the street. They look real nice. I like looking at them. They're bringing me joy. They're pretty cool. I do like them. <laughs> I mean, you know, Christmas lights, uh, it is the season. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. When we record our Christmas episode, we definitely need to share our controversial opinions about Christmas trees and Christmas lights. Okay. Uh, I didn't know we had controversial opinions, but okay. We need to talk about your fake tree, Garrett. My fake tree? <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's Brian's fake tree. <laughs> this I mean, I, I have both a fake and a real tree. I feel like my household is skirting, literally skirting the line. It's a very mixed household for a variety of reasons, so. Garrett, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. I, I stand for trees of all kinds, plastic and otherwise. Should I give Daddy Bezos some more money and order a, a mustache ornament for Brian? <laughs> Who is not here today? I, I think uh, I, w- I would suggest Etsy it. You know, let's let's try and let's try Etsy. I think we may have lost any hopes of a future Amazon sponsorship for sure. Well, yeah. Well, there sorry, goes that. Amazon, please don't hurt us. Oh God, yeah. we're gonna be crushed, aren't we? Under the so mighty scary. wheel of a, a, a delivery drone. <laughs> it's just <laughs> probably that's our, what our world is coming to. That's slowly turning into cyberpunk where you know the world still looks a little poor but they're also robots did you guys uh all say what was giving you joy john did it garrett you know did the wedding for his friends okay right 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 i have not said what's giving me joy now i hope it's more like garrett's was very heartfelt mine was stupid (laughs) and i so i really you gotta pull some weight here and have right like really theologically moving and Beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah. Usually mm-hmm. Brian's the one who like refers to career stuff. He kind of abandoned us today. But seriously, his career. he's doing well. Let's yeah. talk bad about Brian. No. <laughs> no. You cannot bring down him or the glorious mustache that is resting upon his lip. I'm just kidding. Brian is the best. And he might hear that on this podcast that we're recording right now. Mm-hmm. This is being recorded? <laughs> you didn't so, tell me that. What is bringing me joy? for real is being to be able to be around you wonderful people in zoom form Mm -hmm. or in real form i'm looking forward to quarantining for a month to see you in a mountain cabin sometime in february Mm -hmm. i'm willing to make that sacrifice as part of our relationship and i think it's just gonna be great and wonderful but i'm i'm in the mood of the holiday season christmas has hit me Good. I feel joy and wonder and all that stuff. And it's just going to be great. So I'm ready to go look at some Christmas lights. I'm ready to go to the zoo in Columbia and stand outside six feet apart from everyone else and look at their Christmas lights. Are they doing that this year? 
wait what christmas lights yeah riverbanks are they yeah they are but uh yeah it's just by appointment and you have to go during your appointed time ah okay and be distant it's nice to know somebody in colombia is taking covid at least semi-seriously yeah. shots fired colombia carolina also not sponsoring our podcast <laughs> yeah i mean at least the state of florida never mind not this <laughs> So the city of Columbia has not been that bad. Yeah, uh, they're they're doing great. The state, on the other hand, is a different story. But that's a whole that's that's for our future political podcast to talk right. about. We're gonna hit local politics in the southeast and hit it hard. Are we all ready oh for goodness. this? Yeah. No. Landline is ringing. You guys have a landline? We're recording this in in my oh you're in his house. Right. Yeah. You're in. Uh... You're in Atlanta. Which we thought would be much quieter because our dog and our cats aren't here. And instead, the landline is ringing, even though it hasn't rung literally the entire time we've been here. I didn't know she had one. It might be a ghost. Yeah. Well, true to form, there's always something happening in your background, and my dog interrupts me for pets. So, well, know. very good. Well, guys, thanks so much. You know, I have a good time with this every week. I look forward to it. And, you know, like I said at the top of this, you know, our guest this week was Reverend Dr. Grace Jisun Kim. The book is Hope and Disarray, wherever they sell those things, those things called books. And she is on social media at Grace Jisun Kim. So she's a delightful follow. Check her mm-hmm. out. Find, uh, find us on social media. Leave us a review. Talk about how wonderful our ramblings are. Uh, maybe forgive us for some of our opinions about New Girl if you don't have those same opinions. And have a great week. Hey guys, this is John. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Logosish. This week's music was by Audionautics.com. If you have any questions or thoughts, or if you'd like to have your music featured on the podcast, be a guest on the podcast, or suggest a topic for us to cover, send us an email to logosishpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at logosishpod and on various other social media. Please like, subscribe, and review wherever you downloaded this podcast. That helps us to get the word out about all the cool stuff that we're working on, and we'd love to hear your feedback as well. Have a Merry Christmas.